everyone, and welcome back to Handle Whisker. It's been, uh, honestly, it's been close to a year since our last episode. Unfortunately, we had to go on a bit of a hiatus uh, due to conflicting work schedules. Uh, my former co-host Vashti just had a lot of stuff going on, so we didn't really have a way to uh, work things out at that point. But we have had our Twisted Tuesday watch parties going on each and every Tuesday night starting at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. That's still going on every Tuesday, double features, all that good stuff, so we hope to see you on that front. Uh, but basically, the plan is tonight, I'm going to introduce you to the new co-host. Here, I have Holly Hooch with me, so we'll do a little Q&A with Holly. Uh, we'll Hello. talk about some of her favorites, we'll talk about guilty pleasures, what drew her into the genre... And then after that, we'll be diving a little bit into the plans for the podcast for the foreseeable future, because we are shifting what we're going to be discussing on the podcast. And it's going to look a lot different than what you guys have been used to, because before we traditionally had been doing more variety news. That's kind of on the wayside. Now we're going to be discussing the films more at length, but we're going to be theming our episodes, but more on that in just a little bit. Uh, so with that being said, let me introduce you to you, your new co-host. We have Holly Hooch. Holly, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, it's uh, it's been a hectic week, but, you know, it feels good to sit down. You know, we've been engaging in conversations for uh, a few weeks now. We've got our plan set. You know, tonight is technically officially our, our first episode, but it's more of a relaunch. Uh, but I'm doing great, and I cannot wait to dive into... Just more of your background, talk about what got you into the genre. Right. And uh, so, you know, let's start things off. Obviously, everyone kind of has their own origin story when it comes to getting into the genre, whether it was, uh, in my case, kind of like slowly diving into it off of reading. Because uh, as a 90s kid, as I've told you, oh. like I read a lot of Goosebumps when I was younger, and that was kind of like my bridging point uh, to more and more things, but moving more away from literature and more into, you know, just scary movies in general. So what drew you into the genre? So let's think about that. Well, let me think about that. You don't have to think about that. Um, I would say that I, I've always been a scaredy cat. I, everything, I find everything frightening. Well, I mean, I used to think I'm getting a little better about it these days, but uh, it, it, it's, it's funny. Like I don't, I don't. I'm not a, a believer in uh, in the supernatural or in the occult, but it still scares me, even in real life. If I see a dark room somewhere and somebody says, "Hey, can you go up to that attic and grab this or that?" I'm like, "No, sir, I can't." If it was in the daytime, I would. So, <laughs> so I think that uh, uh, I like I was like I just said, uh, you know, I I I scare easy, and I think initially maybe I think I was trying to desensitize myself, and then really you really kind of grow to love horror movies when you start watching more and more of them, and and now they're just they just seem more creative that the genre just seems more creative to me than a lot of other genres out there, and now I've just really grown to love the gore. Um, I've already, we've had a couple of conversations about the things that I like and dislike. And uh, aside from the frustration roller coaster that some horror movies take you on, I generally just really enjoy it. Uh, How about you, T? Right on. Well, I mean, for me, um, as you know, I've just, I've always been a fan of the genre. And, you know, 
I mean, even going back as a kid, like, there were things that petrified me that generally just should not. So, I'll give you an example. Uh, so, growing up, like, The Sandlot was one of the more popular movies when I was a kid. I remember that movie. I but, remember Mike Vitar. But the, the, the sound of the dog, which, you know, ended up being completely harmless... Right. Like that, the ruthlessness to like the snarling always got to me, right? So like that, mo like that aspect would always give me nightmares when I was a little kid. But like fast forward when I saw Cujo, like for example, like I no problem. Like it's just night and day difference. But it's just funny how like little things that used to petrify me when I was such a a, a young kid just are things I can brush off the shoulder now, you know. So it's just, it's it's one of those things. So it's been interesting kind of like comparing and contrasting the things that really uh, upset me or startled me when I was younger versus just seeing what I can stomach or like what raises like my, my heartbeat. Because that's always an interesting thing whenever you're watching a horror movie. Like, you know, sometimes you just tense up. You know, maybe there's just no audio cue in the movie. And, a, you know, A Quiet Place is a perfect example of this. Just the <laughs> amount of tension yes. without actually having sound. And you could you could literally, like, hear your own heartbeat at times, you know? It's just, like, I don't know when it's going to happen. You know something is, is going to strike. And not everything follows the same formula or the same beat. So there are going to be times where you get that jolt. Maybe, you know, you predict the time it's spot on and then you just kind of brush it off. But I, I just love being able to not only be able to predict when something is going to happen, but also being alarmed when my my gut instinct is completely off because that does happen. I love that. Yes, I and, and I think as horror movie watchers, and I think everybody listening to this podcast would agree that uh, you can train yourself to really follow the pacing of a movie and to follow uh, the 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 mood, right? Mm -hmm. So you can say like, oh wow, we've been we've been at a, a low sort of simmer for X amount of time. It's time for a scare. It's time for this. It's time for that. And you can a lot of times if the writing isn't that great, you can predict the whole movie. Uh, as you're watching it <laughs> and wondered if you wrote it in your sleep, you know, without knowing, but uh, uh, like you're saying, you know, when a movie, I mean, like the, the creators nowadays are always actually, they have to be smarter. They have to be one step ahead of the viewer. And I love it when they do it right. I love it when they actually catch me off guard. Yeah. And it's funny too, because like we've even seen, or I've had experiences in the past, like another one that comes to mind would be paranormal activity. Because that is a movie that, at its core, has a very simplistic formula to the way that it ramps up the tension. And despite knowing that, it doesn't lessen the blow of the tension that it builds through the audio cues, which is something that really intrigued me by it. And, you know, I, I kind of, like, love the marketing aspect of that movie because they did a lot of the, uh, like, screen and footage of like the audience reactions and just how petrified they were and oh, yeah, how on that. the edge of the chairs uh, everyone was and just hearing the screams. And, you know, it, it really made you think, OK, is this movie actually being overhyped or is it really going to be one of the scarier experiences that you can have in a the theater? And, you know, even as that franchise progressed and, you know, maybe the marketing wasn't uh, solely focused on that aspect of the film, 
you know, they still kind of stuck to that same formula and, you know, it worked very well for them. And it's not something that we get to see kind of happen uh, throughout like the entirety of a franchise, because a lot of times when you enter like the sequel stage, <laughs> you're, you know, like, OK, if we're going by the scream rules, you know, you know, you're you're talking about a uh, higher body count. You know, there's certain rules they have to abide with the sequel, you know, it has to be right. more blood, higher body count, you know, just sim simplistic things. And, you know, even with paranormal activity, like despite the fact that the tension was very similar to the first, it didn't lessen the blow or the feeling that you had actually watching that movie. So that's it's always been a thing that's intrigued me, too, because, you know, knowing that, you know, maybe sometimes there's creative differences. Maybe you bring in a different director that, you know, wasn't around for the first. Maybe it's, I don't know, like a, a, a music a uh, video like director directing his first feature film like what we saw with Nightmare on Good Elm Street when that got when that got rebooted to uh varying success uh, uh, I'll say yeah um but you know I, I like when they don't change your formula and it still is able to throw you off the scent yeah, I think that the those movies really uh, were really great about that. I, I was really surprised at how much I liked them as well. And I think I had a different bias. I mean, I know for sure. And that's that when the movie sets look too close to real life, mm -hmm. I get very bored or I, I just expect them to be very boring. Right. And so all uh, I, I'm thinking back at the at the first one and that, you know, they're in a very um, a generic home. It's a nice big home, mind you. But it's uh, it's like a home that I've been in a million times as opposed to watching a movie that's taking place in a castle or a mansion or some really, really creepy shack. So I, I think I was, uh, I was ready to be bored by it. And then I was just very pleasantly surprised at how much it, it, it managed to, um, to, to really surprise me and, and how enjoyable it was. So uh, again, I was, Generally, I, I like things to be a little bit more um, visually appealing or more exciting. But uh, I, yeah, that movie did it for me, too. I dug it. All right. So speaking of movies that you dig, do dig, uh, obviously, we all have our personal favorites within the genre. Uh, you know, just to go over a couple, like I've mentioned Scream earlier, like as someone who grew up in the 90s, Scream was kind of like my first foray into horror in theaters uh, when Scream 2 came out. Uh, so that was, like, my first R-rated movie that I got to see in theaters, which is really cool. But, like, even before that, I probably watched the first Scream, like, 50 times on VHS. You know, back when that was the primary media. Uh, not not so I much nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> back, remember video stores? Yeah, those things. <laughs> Man, it's, that makes me feel so old, knowing that there's only, like, I don't yeah. know, like, one or two within, like, 50 miles of me. That's... <sighs> and they're all just, you know, like kitsch and they also have to be a coffee shop because they can't make money off of videos mm -hmm. <laughs> yes i agree and i remember just being so um dedicated to uh the the video store near my home if you rented uh, a movie like a new movie uh and you got it back before noon the following day you could get a free non-new release movie mm. and you better believe that i got all my free movies <laughs> we're walking like 30 minutes to the video store good times good times oh but yes we were talking about i cannot remember the first horror movie that i watched um but if i can just uh 
talk about some of the ones that were really, really impressive, impressive to me. I have to say like Nightbreed is one of my all time favorite movies. And uh, I don't think I've watched it enough to, to, <laughs> to really be able to say that, but I will say it anyway. I think I've only seen it like three or four times, but uh, man, that's like three movies into put into one. I feel like you really get your money's worth when you watch mm -hmm. Nightbreed. Uh, another one that I, I remember thinking like, wow, this, uh, this is really amazing above and beyond movies. And this is aside from the really great ones that have come out in the last year or two, right? Uh, 28 Days Later. Remember that? Remember when that came out and we saw Fast Zombies for the first time? We're like, so wait, they can, they can so run? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're so much worse. And then, of course, it was, well, I mean, you, I was going to say the... Uh, um, the, who's the real monster? Turns out it's man. I mean, yeah, that was done plenty of times in the older zombie movies as well. But you know, that's it's always good when you when you at, you see a different level or or a different perspective on that, which I really appreciated those movies. And then um, you asked me earlier to my guilty pleasure. I and I, I was I didn't want to say this, but I have to because now I can't think of any other name. Uh, it, it's just I have to admit all the. Um, you know, like a Shaun of the Dead and, mm. and Hot Fuzz. I know they're like, everybody's seen that, all those movies a million times, but that's why they're a guilty pleasure, right? Because I, I've lost count of how many times I've seen both of those movies. They're just feel-good horror movies. And Hot Fuzz isn't exactly a horror, but, you know, there's slasher elements to it. Oh, yeah. So I think it kind of counts. So, uh, um, but yeah, they're just, they're just fun. Yeah, see, when when I think of guilty pleasure, I, I look at it more from the lens of, Movies that people tend to not really like that much or were critically panned that I personally oh, enjoy. Okay. So, like, for me, uh, one of them that would be at the top of my list would be the House of Wax remake. The one that had Paris Hilton in it. That, oh, that wow. everyone <laughs> That everyone kind of just wrote off initially because Paris Hilton was uh, involved in it. You know, and I, I had a very similar experience, and this also ties directly into this. Uh, but Repo the Genetic Opera. I am I was a huge fan of that whole series. Uh, both that, the Devil's Carnival, uh, Alleluia, all of them. Like just seeing the combination, you know, horror slash musical, uh, musical. Because like I I was a music nerd in high school, uh, and you know I I I know in you know one of the themes that we'll be discussing later. Uh, you mentioned a Netflix movie about a cellist, which even Perfection. even even if it's completely panned by everyone i'm kind of intrigued by it just coming from an orchestra nerd perspective of what it's it. actually going to tackle in, into to see like how much will i be able to relate to this movie because maybe there was just a disconnect that people had because they weren't a music nerd uh so i'm sure i'm gonna relate at all maybe not but you never know uh but you know I was just gonna say, but you know, like it's um I think you're like me in that if if a movie, if a horror movie can be even like a four out of ten, I'm gonna watch it. You mm -hmm. know, a movie's gotta be pretty shitty for me. A horror movie's gotta be pretty shitty for me to be like, no thanks. Uh so I think it's um it's uh, the the cinematography's great, the uh you know, the acting is is pretty solid. It's got some big names in it. Mm -hmm. The um I really I remember the 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 colors in the movie the saturation and in those colors and I remember thinking that was they were always really warm and good and um and so there's a lot of pleasant things about it so I think that uh, you'll 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 enjoy it just fine I mean it might not be on the list of any any of your lists but uh yeah it's 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 worth watching 
Yeah, and you know, we've we've all seen really terrible horror movies. Uh-huh. There's definitely been a couple of occasions where I have felt the need to <laughs> contemplate leaving a theater because some movies are just so bad. Uh, like, one that would come to mind for me would be the Prom Night remake, which was PG-13. Oh, I don't and think I, I saw that. I remember when that movie came out. I, I was like, I, I was like, okay, one... Is there gonna be a chase scene in this movie? Because that was one of the one of the primary things I remember about the original. Uh, but the, one of the issues I had with the Prom Night remake was just the fact that okay, I know this is like teenage horror, so uh-huh. I'm I'm expecting there to not be a ton of gore because it is PG thirteen and they can't get away with too much. That's not to say that there haven't been effective slashers or just genre uh, entries with that rating because there have been they are few and far between but that's besides the point but but my problem with prom night was more so the fact that every kill in that movie was so one note and it didn't do really anything to differentiate between the different kills so it just it completely took me out of that damn shame i got you Hmm. i i feel badly that uh um i i'm a The editing can really take me out of of um of the the moment, I guess. And there's a lot of uh, and I hate to put these guys on the spot, but like Film Veritas, the the whole company, I, I feel like they don't invest enough in their editing. <laughs> and I'm and I'm always having issues with watching their movies. So if you have a recommendation for any of their movies that you thought were really decent, let me know, and I will check them out. Because to this point, and I have to like I I'll also be uh, honest in saying that. A lot of times I'll be like 10 minutes into a movie and be like, you know what? I just can't take this editing. I gotta, I gotta go. So that's oh. my, that's, that's my biggest judgment of movies, really. Everything else I'm like, eh, it could be half-assed so long as you don't torture me with bad editing. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we'll see how many movies you watch that have literal dead pixels in the scenes, like with Army of the that's Dead. Right. Oh my gosh, I... <laughs> I still cannot get over that, and I'll I'll let to show you some of the the actual screenshots from the movie of when it happens because what we're gonna even if you watch it you're never gonna be able to unsee it because mm-hmm. it's so blatant it's just like how, how come on guys I started to watch that and I the the intro the opening sequence I thought was pretty fun mm-hmm. I ended up stopping watching that because I was with my mom. Right. And apparently, it doesn't matter how old you get, there is some shit you don't want to watch with your mom. So, she's not a horror fan anyway. But uh, I, I thought it looked fun, and I was really looking forward to it, you know, uh, the zombies in Vegas. But uh, yeah, you were telling me some some dead pixels. I mean, no yeah, good. yeah, the mileage uh, may vary from person to person, but, you know, it's just definitely something that I notice. And, you know, if, if you're a stickler for editing, you're definitely going to be able to oh, spot yeah. it, too. <laughs> And then there's like such uh, the what do you call it the special effects. Mm-hmm. This really bad CGI can be just just a killer. Did you watch that movie um, Man versus? I think it was just called Man versus, and I think there was a blank right because it was a uh, about a basically a Bear Grylls type of man who is recording himself out in the wilderness, and then he starts being hunted by this uh, random predator out there, and. The whole movie is him sort of tr- figuring out that he's being tracked, that that uh, that he's in danger, and it's actually pretty decent. I, I really like the movie and the actor. I can't remember his name, but he's like uh, he's semi like he's famous. Like he, you, you've seen him in TV shows and in other movies, never as the lead, but you know, 
Uh, and then at the very end, the monster comes out. And it's just the worst thing you've ever seen. And I don't mean that as in scary. I just mean that as really, really bad special effects. And something similar happened with, um, uh, I think it was called Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. Or maybe Little, I don't know if you saw that one. It was pretty, like, campy, not great kind of movie. And um, all throughout the movie, like, the, the, the editing wasn't bad, but the there were some really bad actors. And you can tell that they spent all their money on um, Eric Balfour. I don't know if you know who that mm-hmm. is, but... I was slightly obsessed with that man for a second. Anyway, so <laughs> so he's in the movie and he's carrying the movie. And at the very end, again, a really, really shitty monster. So, geez, it just makes you wish people would invest in puppets again. But that's uh, just my take. Yeah, there's definitely been cases where, you know, th- there are some themes that, you know, whether it's budget restraints or mm-hmm. whether your artist just doesn't know how to create it using practical effects. You know, there there is a use for CGI in mm-hmm, horror. I agree. But there there are definitely times where it just completely takes you out of the element. There are times where it just doesn't look right. There, you know, and that and that could be it because a lot of a lot of especially like in the indie films, uh, you know that that does tend to happen. Or like I I think the most egregious like mainstream example would be like when they remade the Thane. And the whole helicopter Aww. sequence, which was <laughs> that that was an abomination of a movie in itself that I don't want to get into. Uh, but, you know, let's let's talk about our plans for the podcast. Yes. Sorry, uh, we're getting off. <laughs> for yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, sometimes that just happens. OK, so basically, guys, this is what you can expect from us moving forward. As I mentioned earlier, we are shifting away from kind of like the general news aspect of that. Uh, that's not to say that. Maybe I won't sprinkle some in here and there, but it will have to be kind of related to whatever topic we're going to be talking about for that week. So, like, for example, I know you mentioned zombie movies earlier, and I know that Shudder had just acquired one of George Romero's lost films, Amusement Park, uh, which I I still haven't watched. We'll be watching it next Tuesday on Twisted (gasps) Tuesday. I'll probably pair that with Hellfest because they're both amusement park based. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say Amusement Park is only like 51 minutes, so it's it's a pretty short movie, and I honestly do not know anything about it. So I'm very intrigued, because how often do you hear about a movie that's lost, that is actually found and distributed? Like, that just that never happened. This is pretty exciting. And T, I have to admit, this is really, uh, I'm really uh, uh, stoked to be doing the podcast with you because you're such a dedicated fan and I'm such a lazy fan. <laughs> so you can just bring me all the movies and then tell me which ones are good and I'll watch them and then we'll talk about them. This Absolutely. is fantastic. <laughs> you know, whatever I works. I spend so much time like going through Shutter or through all, any of the streaming services mm-hmm. and then looking at the ratings and going, hmm, all right, anything over a 5.8, anything over, oh, oh here we go, this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Yes, I'm lazy. You're not. I mean, Let's do this. that's that's how I feel whenever I'm browsing Tubi, because mm-hmm. like there's so much on there. But like I look at it, I was like, I do not know like seventy percent of this library. So the chances that I'm going to find a diamond in the rough are drastically lower. <laughs> you know? Right, but that's where we can help each other out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I was just telling you about Possession, uh, and there's mm-hmm. so many movies called Possession. But this one's known as Possession 1981. Not that 1981 was in the title, but that's how people differentiate it from other movies called Possession. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so crazy. You're going to love it. Check it out. 
right on. But anyways, get getting back on the go, rails go. here. Damn it. <laughs> it keeps happening. Yep. I mean, it, it happens. It's podcast, and it's kind of like an everyday occurrence at this point in time. But basically, moving forward, each month we are going to be highlighting a specific phobia. And then we will be discussing a film at length that corresponds with that phobia. Uh, so, you know, due to the timing that we have, you know, it's kind of like the... Not quite the start of June, but, like, we're not going to be, like, a full month, but, you know, we'll still do, like, four weeks worth of episodes. Uh, so, to start things off, uh, you know, we're going to be looking at some killer kid movies as we yes. highlight uh, pedophobia. So, we'll, we'll be deep diving more into what that phobia entails. Uh, what some of the concerns with kids in general are for people. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so, uh, some people just are worried about their own kids. Some people are just petrified of everyone else's kids. Everyone's afraid that their kid's going to be a serial killer or just be a complete asshole to other people. Mm-hmm. We'll dive more into it next week, but we're going to start off by talking about Goodnight Mommy, which was released in 2014. Uh, by Seferin Fiala and Veronica Franz. Yes, that movie is art. It's so good. I'm so excited. Yeah, so we we already have basically like our month worth of movies planned out. Uh, We'll talk more about that as we kind of like go along each and every week. Uh, But basically, Holly and I will be discussing this every Wednesday night. Uh, We'll be highlighting one movie a week. Every month we'll be kind of like rotating a phobia. uh, And... One of my goals for this was there's definitely been cases with the genre where it's triggered some of my own fears. And I feel like that's an experience that a lot of people can relate to. So I want to kind of get some insight from even some of our listeners that maybe suffer from some of these phobias or kind of like get their train of thought of what causes them that sort of like anxiety to induce. Or what are some of the examples of, you know, filmography that might have kind of triggered that as well. Right. That sounds great. I would love to hear from other people. With that being said, we are keeping it shorter tonight for our relaunch episode. For now, if you're looking to contact us, you can reach us on Twitter at HandleWithScare, email the show at HandleWithScarePod at gmail.com, find more information on our website at www.HandleWithScarePod.com, and join our community Discord by following the link over in our show notes. Uh, but for now, guys, that is going to do it for us here tonight on Handle with Scare. Holly, it's been great sitting down and chatting with you. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing not only, you know, whatever will come from this, but also, you know, maybe we can find some new favorites or just some okay. movies that uh, might even become guilty pleasures for us. Agreed. Yes. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So with that being said, we'll see you next week. Enjoy your week and have a good night. Good night.